Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my boy back this week. Yazin, what do you say, my man? Or shall I say, how are you feeling? I am back. It's been way too long. I apologize for uh, for the, the brief disappearance. Uh, life happens sometimes, you know, things... Uh, Things are a little bit more important than basketball lately, but uh, I am back. Thank you for holding it down the last couple of weeks. Uh, I saw the IG live and I listened to the pod last week. Uh, you held it down in my absence, but uh, something was missing. Something was missing. Uh, it was uh, it was your boy. It was your boy. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. So happy to be back. Playoff time. Perfect timing for me to come back. I'm recharged, re-energized. And I'm ready to, uh, to chew someone's ear off. All right. Well, good thing you mentioned that because not too sure what to tell you, but boy, things are not looking too good in the Big Apple. But we got ourselves some NBA playoffs to discuss. We'll get into all the details today, including a team that is already eliminated before we recorded our first playoff recap episode. Let's get the show on the road and let's start this therapy session. Drop the beat. So on this week's segment of Run That, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the struggling, weary, shook, agitated New York Knicks as they found themselves in a hole down 3-1 heading back to Madison Square Garden for Game 5 on Tuesday night. Julius Randle, a.k.a. Rulius Jandle, has been outright awful in this series and seemed to have lost his mojo from his amazing regular season. Actually, while we're at it, let's congratulate him for winning the NBA Most Improved Player. With that said, may I put this lightly, what the hell is going on with these New York Knicks and do they have enough to turn this around? Yazin, kicking it off to you. Talk to me, boy. Uh, gosh. Um, okay. I've been stewing for a little bit, you know, in my absence. Uh, I've been watching every game. I've been had my hat on, you know, Carmelo jersey, everything. This is eight years in the making. And here we are down three games to one. What happened? What happened? Well, let me let me break it down for you guys. What what has happened in this series? It's a couple of things. A couple of things have gone wrong. I mean, most things have gone wrong in the series, but I can pinpoint a couple of things here. Number one, uh, this is most of the that team's playoff debut. Uh, none of those players outside of Todd Gibson and Derrick Rose and even Coach Thibodeau have been in the playoffs before, uh, and you can see that because the two best players on the Knicks right now are Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose. The only two players that can put the ball in the basket, the only two players that can play defense, the only two players who have a plus, you know, a positive plus minus seemingly, uh, and everyone else has gone by the wayside. Uh, it's they, They're not playing the same way they did before. Their offense has completely come to a standstill. Uh, you know, they used to run, you know, through Julius Randle, and Julius Randle was the number one option. And he used to he was a triple double machine really for for most of the the season. I mean, he was second in Knicks history in in triple doubles in a shortened season behind Walt Clyde Frazier. Uh, so he was able to sort of get his spot on offense, get the mismatch, uh, and you know drive power to the hole or kick it out and find the open man. Now 
He's he's overthinking everything. Clint Capella's there, and he's just shaking in his boots. He can't get past Clint Capella. Clint Capella's blocked him several times this series, and it, it's gotten to him. And now he gets to the point where he drives and he kicks, and the guys he's kicking it to are just not hitting those open shots. R.J. Barrett has had a horrendous, horrendous playoff series besides the last game. Just completely disappeared. Absolutely disappeared. Uh, Reggie Bullock had one good game uh, in, in game two uh, where he sparked that comeback. And then as soon as he tweeted, you know, we with the shits, uh, he, he played like the shits, uh, you know, down in the A. And last game he was over four, had zero points, uh, hit no three pointers, missed a bunch of shots. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, um, a lot of mistakes going on. They can't seem to, uh, to figure out what to do with, you know, Trey Young. Trey Young is dictating, their defense instead of the other way around. Then let, let, let me remind you people, the Knicks had one of the best defenses in the league, top defense against, uh, you know, three point shooters, you know, lowest scoring defense. And Trey young is having his way. He's getting in the paint, throwing floaters up by all five foot five of him throwing floaters up. No one's blocking it. And if he's not throwing a floater up, he's, he's, he's lobbing it up to Capella to Collins. He's kicking it to bogey, to Gallo, to Herder, to Hunter, and everyone's hitting their shots. They're not rotating. Uh, it's, it's, you know, lack of playoff experience. Tom Thibodeau, you know, he lost that game one. Uh, he lost that game one. That was his fault for putting in a guy who was on the bench the entire game. Wasn't stretched in Frank Nielakina. Wasn't stretched. Wasn't warm. Nothing. And you put him up against the, one of the top NBA players in the league right now who was hot, scored the game winner in game one. And since then, it's kind of been all downhill. They haven't had big leads. They've been playing from behind the whole time. And they're just not built for this this, this year. They're not built for this. I, I'm not down and out. I'm not down and out yet, but I'm, I'm realistic here. They're not built for this. Rant over. Man, that was a pretty responsible rant considering what I thought a Knicks, a typical Knicks fan would feel at this point. I mean, I'm sure that you're trying to keep it kosher here with uh, with the Game Point pod, but just getting back to your point with regards to the playoff experience, I really understand where you're coming from when it comes to the veterans truly showing up in the situation. Like Derek Rose going absolutely berserk, dropping 30 pieces, and Taj Gibson, you know, making his presence felt down low. And then you got your two top players on your roster in Randall and RJ Barrett, who simply have disappeared. And I think more of it has to do with the mental aspect of being in their first playoff series and having such a big responsibility. And I feel like with Derek Rose and Taj Gibson, having that familiarity with Tom Thibodeau really helped as well um, elevate their play in the series. But let's talk about the fuzzy lollipop, which is Trey Young, man. I, I don't, I don't know how, for someone who has our first playoff experience ball out like that. And it seems as though like he feeds off the crowd and I don't know what it is. Is it, is it um, the fact that he's just a big time player or uh, I'm not entirely sure to be honest, but um, he's been balling. When you look at it defensively, right? The defensive matchups with Atlanta ain't really like that. When you're looking at the series in its entirety, there were close games so far and Randall has come short of that. Um, I think he's averaging, what, like 15 points in the series? And 27% shooting. That's oh, well, historically low percentage for the first 50 shots. For the first uh, – okay, I'm going to mess this stat up. But on a minimum of 50 shots, Randall's shooting the lowest percentage in, you know, a playoff, in playoff history, 27% for minimum 50 shots. It's, it's dreadful. 
please continue that because I don't want DeMar DeRozan and Lowry's name under that anymore, man. I think there's a, a new sheriff in town, and I think we see it right now. So continue on doing that. But <laughs> don't but, no, uh, don't listen to him. Don't continue on doing that. Stop that. Stop yourself. Yeah. But getting back to my point, I mean, if he just chipped in a few baskets, this series would be tied at worst, right? Heading back into MSG for a pivotal game five. And, you know, looking at his whack play is really wasting D. Rose's epic performances in the series. And now, at this point, the Knicks got to take it one game at a time to make it a series. And like we touched on earlier, RJ's presence has been absolutely non-existent. Outside of his performance in Game 4, I almost had to literally call in the Ontario Provincial Police and put an Amber Alert on his ass for being so quiet and not leaving a mark on this series. Uh, with that being said, Randall struggling. I expect RJ Barrett to take the torch and try to keep this Knicks team afloat. Although, just kind of wrapping all up, we can't really blame it on the experience because there's a lot of first-time playoff players and they're simply hooping. When you look at guys like Jean Morant, Trey Young, just to name a few, you know, I can't really give that first time in the playoff excuse for those two guys. But again, a lot of players are different. I have enough confidence to say that the Knicks can take care of business at home. And I still truly think that this series can go seven. But what kind of Julius Randle are we going to see? That's an answer we're going to have to wait on Tuesday. I, I, I have two final things to say about this. Uh, this might be the last time I get to talk about the Knicks this season on this podcast. Uh, so the first one is... It's not over yet. You know, we've seen teams come back from 3-1. We saw the Denver Nuggets do it twice last year, which is unheard of. We just saw the the Montreal Habs just do it to the Toronto Maple Leafs as we speak. So it's not impossible. If, if If you take care of business at MSG and you saw how loud that MSG crowd is, when you compared it, to Atlanta crowd. Atlanta was piping in fan noise. Let's talk about that. They they were piping in fan noise, okay? They were not that <laughs> loud compared to MSG, Box. which broke the Richter scale, man, in that comeback. They willed them to that game two win. I think if they can get the job done in game five, they tip the momentum back to Atlanta. Obviously, you need to win on the road, but, you know, if, if you have a convincing enough win in game five, maybe, you you know, you get in their heads in Atlanta a little bit and then you win game six. Game seven... It's a completely new series. It doesn't matter what happened before. Every all the new the naysayers and the nuances there, they're all gone. And you play one game at Madison Square Garden with that crowd again, and anything's possible. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say, this team was never supposed to be here. Okay. You and I did a playoff preview early in the year, and even someone like myself, a deranged, you know, ridiculously optimistic Knicks fan, did not even have them in the playoffs. I think I had them at the highest tenth. And then here they are, fourth. 41 and 31, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the league, most improved player and all-star in Julius Randle, much improved R.J. Barrett, a rejuvenated Derrick Rose. This is Derrick Rose that we haven't seen since, you know, the end of his Chicago run. You know, we haven't seen this Derrick Rose in in five, six years. You know, they weren't supposed to be here. Uh, they, you know, if, if this is the last stand, if this is the end of their season, you know, kudos to them. I'm proud of them. I'll be mad, um, but I'm proud of them. I'm happy to be here talking about playoff basketball. They have a ton of cap space still. They have a, a just a bevy of draft picks over the next couple of years. They're going to be an attractive, you know, spot again to play basketball in. Uh, you know, free agents might finally start looking their way, and they have a competent front office. So I'm very proud of them. But again, this is not over. We got Game Five MSG 
I'm hoping that the entire state of New York just goes berserk and blows the roof off that joint and goes back to Atlanta for game six. And then, you know, what rejuvenates those guys to come back. We've gone on way too long about the Knicks. So game five, prayers up to the Knicks. Let's go. Let's do this, baby. We here. Julius Randle, come back to life. We need you. RJ Barrett, come back to life. We need you. Derrick Rose, continue to be the greatest of all time. Let's go, Knicks. You know what? That was beautifully said, so I'm going to leave that topic as is. I'm not going to chime in on it. Let's continue on to the next topic of Run That. The one thing, really, that I think we spoke about the other day that we both noticed is simply the level of competition and play between both of these conferences. We're starting to see a lot tighter series and games in the West, as almost every series right now is virtually tied 2-2, while their counterparts in the East have been downright boring. As you know, we've seen multiple blowouts and lopsided series leads. Is there a reason for this disparity? To me, I came into the playoffs thinking that the East was always going to be a super top-heavy team. When I say top-heavy, I refer to the top four out of the eight seeds in the East. And I knew this was coming. So with that being said, on the East side, I was looking forward to the semifinals. I truly believe that the playoffs start in the East from the semifinals onwards. We always fast forward to that anyways, like any other year. It's no different this time around. However, the West has always been a bloodbath from beginning to end. And this is not a surprise. This is history repeating itself over the last few decades or so, where the West is absolutely crazy with all the matchups from one through eight. We're already seeing Memphis versus Utah, like duking it out. And, you know, and every single series just getting to an ultimate competitive level that we have not seen before and just keeps getting better and better. I don't see this as a disparity. I just see it as history repeating itself where the East doesn't really have what it takes. And I'm not sure why, you know, there's tons of stars in the East to choose from, but they're just simply top heavy. Whereas the West, you can see that a lot of the teams are much more balanced. And when you compare, you know, the eighth in the West, which is the Memphis Grizzlies compared to the eighth in the East, which is the Washington Wizards. I like my chances with the Memphis Grizzlies. Like they're just, I feel like the seeds five through eight, when you compare them between both conferences, you could tell that the West is just simply superior in that aspect, which is why we're seeing much better competition. And we can look at this. The Lakers finished off as a seventh seed. But when you look at it, they're not truly a seventh seed. They just had a bunch of injuries with their key star players that ultimately put them down in the standings, whereas if they were a healthy roster, they would probably be in the top three seeds. So I feel like that has a part to do with it. But just to kind of wrap things all up, we've seen the East for many years. And to me, it's no surprise what I'm seeing right now. We're going to wait till the semifinals where I think right now it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Nets, hopefully. And then we got ourselves the 76ers versus the winner of the Knicks and Atlanta Hawks series. So looking forward to both conferences. And I don't see much of a disparity. It's just a history repeating itself. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's par for the course. Uh, you know, the West, I mean, it's just kind of cyclical, right? Like some, some years, there, there are long stretches where the Western Conference is way better than the Eastern Conference. That's kind of been recently. But there have also been stretches where the Eastern Conference has just been dominant over the Western Conference. And, and you know, in the 2000s, uh, in, the, in, the, in the 90s, where the, the Eastern Conference just had straight up heavyweights going at it. And the Western Conference was a cupcake. You know, you used to see Chicago had to go through the trenches in order to get to the finals. And then a lot of times you can't even name who they played in the finals, you know, in, in, in all those years, right? Because it was just a random team every single time. I mean, they played one repeat team, was it, uh, in Utah? So, 
it's cyclical. You know, some 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 years the West is better, some years the East is better. But you were right; the East is top heavy right now. It always was the, the those top four teams uh, in in the East, or actually top three. And then you know the the Knicks and the Hawks was kind of a, a toss up. Either way, I don't think either of those teams is a contender. As much as it hurts for me to say that, and you know, top three teams. But in the West. I mean, you're talking seven, eight deep, right? You're talking the defending champions are the seventh seed. And I know they had injuries. I know uh, LeBron James was down and AD was down. AD's down again. Um, but, you know, you have eight teams above 500 who who are really giving it their all. And, and if you put them in the, in the Eastern Conference, you might be talking any of those eight teams would be a top four team right now and, and could contend uh, and win that conference. So, you know, Every series in the West right now is either 2-2 or or 2-1. And every series in the uh, East, none of them are 2-2. None of them are tied currently. Um, You know, so it's going to be interesting to see when it comes to the finals, right? Uh, Because the Western team who comes out of there is going to have to go through war. Whereas the Eastern Conference team might not might not necessarily be as battle tested right you know uh like look at the sixers sixers might get you know winners of Knicks and hawks it might be a cakewalk all the way to the eastern conference finals and they have to play either brooklyn or milwaukee whereas in the western conference i'll say your utah you know you might have to play the four five seed um and then you know gosh like you might have any combination of the clippers the the nuggets the the trailblazers the lakers in the second so it's going to be a lot tougher uh, in that Western Conference. And I think that's actually the reason why the champion will come out of the West again this year, uh, simply because they're going to be battle-tested. They're going to be ready for everything that it takes to win a championship, uh, whereas the Eastern Conference, it might be just a little bit too easy for them to get there. So uh, I'm definitely watching more Western Conference games, if I have to be honest, if, you know, outside of the Knicks-Hawks series, because uh, the Eastern Conference games are pretty boring right now. They're, they're mostly blowouts, with the exception of the Nuggets and the Blazers which every game has been a blowout, and they're tied 2-2. So the West sometimes doesn't make sense, but hey, you know what? It's basketball. Do you think the West will be battle-tested, and that's correct, but do you also think that fatigue can also be a factor, you know, going through such a, a rigorous playoff path to the finals where you have a team like the Brooklyn Nets in the East or the 76ers or whoever coming out of the East without being tested that much and also still relatively healthy to say the least uh, do you think that will be somewhat of an obstacle for those western conference final appearances oh yeah or, especially yeah. for those veterans too right yeah. like you know if you're talking about a lakers or a clippers team that has you know guys who are used to sitting or load management god forbid uh they're gonna struggle uh you know it, it's gonna be good for their game plan because they're gonna have to see a lot of different looks right a lot of different ways to contain their star players but fatigue is going to set in especially in a shortened season uh you know it's going to be a battle of attrition really i don't think the best team is going to win the championship this year is just going to be the team that survives to the end really uh so it's a blessing and a curse to be in a competitive western conference yeah no kidding really looking forward to see who comes out of the west who comes out of the east and hopefully get a, a very competitive nba final so let's head on over to our final topic of run that And that is the so-called Miami Heat, who has been absolutely obliterated by the Milwaukee Bucks before we can even record this very episode, like I mentioned. They were simply outmatched and have heavily regressed from their final appearance only 10 months ago. Think about 10 months ago. What is the future outlook of this Miami Heat team? And what do you feel they need to do to get back into contention? So, Yaz, I'll kick that over to you. 
Yeah, so I, I think this would be a, a good idea for us to kind of give an in memoriam to every ousted playoff team. Uh, and it turns out that one already happened before I even get back to the podcast, and it's the Miami Heat getting swept out of the playoffs after after being in the finals last year. I don't know how many teams can say they did that. Um, you know, what is the outlook of this team? You want to say it's it's cautiously optimistic, right? You have Jimmy Butler, you have Bam Adebayo. Uh, you know, you have Tyler Hero, who was not Tyler Hero of last year. But I think one of the key things here is that you have Victor Oladipo, uh, who's now injured, uh, who tore, he has, I believe it's a quadriceps injury. Um, I don't see him coming back to to Miami. So, you know, everyone thought that that deal might, you know, put them up in the upper echelon in the Eastern Conference. But now, you know what, after a sweep, no Oladipo, you kind of start to start to think, where does this team go, right? Uh, it's still a destination for a lot of guys. A lot of guys have been talking about how Miami is a free agent destination. They can make cap space. I have heard rumors that Kawhi Leonard would entertain the Miami Heat if LA Lakers or LA Clippers were to uh, get eliminated, you know, soon in the playoffs. Uh, so they do remain attractive, and they do have the star power and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. But you kind of wonder, like, are they in kind of are they on the way up or are they on the way down, right? Are they they're kind of in purgatory right now, where it's like you don't really know where they should be. They they were the you know sixth seed in the East, and where do you kind of go from here, right? Do you, do you go up? Do you go down? You definitely need some pieces, right? Because that uh, you're, you're more or less the same team that made it to the NBA Finals last year, and you get swept out of the first round. So clearly, something needs to happen. Uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether or not they're, they're trending upwards or trending downwards. I I tend to lean downwards. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it really depends. Um, there's several dominoes that need to drop in order for this Miami heat to get back to at least where they were before, or at least to get into contention. And the number one thing for me is Tyler hero got to get better. Tyler hero was a big piece for them when they made it to the finals last year. And he was able to provide an offensive spark that the Miami Heat didn't really expect this early in his career. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I know that Jason Tatum did mention that the bubble really gassed some players who people thought that they were good, but they didn't actually end up being good once things started getting back to normal. And Tyler Hero being one of those guys. So I believe that Tyler Hero this offseason just got to get better. Like, you got to holla at Rico Hines immediately, get into the lab, and try to be that second offensive piece that can go with Jimmy Butler in order to, you know, take the ball out of his hand and get, and, and, and go get those buckets when Jimmy Butler is getting double teamed, right? So that's the one thing that I want to mention. Secondly, they need a veteran point guard that's been there, done that, that can allow Jimmy Butler to play off the ball when, when they need to. Because when I was watching that Milwaukee series, Jimmy Butler was absolutely swarmed, and as soon as he kicked the ball out, when you have guys like Dragic and, you know, others that kind of fallen off a bit, but they can't really create that much for themselves. They're always looking for someone else to create that shot. It kind of made the offense very stagnant. So 
you know, they were looking at a guy like Kyle Lowry, for example, in trade deadline, which he could have been that guy to kind of facilitate in that role and allow Jane Butler to play off the ball and not having to exert himself so heavily in both aspects by playing off the ball as well as facilitating for others. So I feel like they should look at a, a veteran point guard who can alleviate some of that pressure from Jimmy Butler in order to play his game. That would be ideal. And then thirdly, I still think that they need a lot of depth on the wing. And I know you touched on Kawhi Leonard being that potential uh, free agent attraction uh, to the Miami Heat. It would be really solid. Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard. You know, there's... It's a long shot. Definitely a long long shot. shot. It's a long shot. He could fit on any team. So, you know, that's always something. But we can't be starting a 37-year-old Trevor Ariza in a playoff game. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, to be honest, like, that, that is something that shouldn't happen. So, and obviously you got Iguodala, who's like absolutely washed, right? So I still whoa, think wait, that... Whoa, I want Iguodala, okay? <laughs> that combination of Iguodala and Ariza? Come on, we're talking about 2006, you know, top, top, top defenders right there. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you're this, right, 100%. This prediction was made by Max Kellerman, who was on crack. Ha! <laughs> got <he. laughs> Gotti, who was on crack, and I still think he is for that one years later. Yeah, but uh, getting back to it, I still think they need more wing depth, so they got to look in free agency to get some guys off the bench. And the thing is, you could tell they truly miss Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder could have been that guy that can, you know, chip in 14 to 15 points off the bench, give you that three and D. And I feel like the Miami Heat has lacked that. So, you know, those three things to kind of wrap it all up Tyler Hero needs to get better. Got a veteran point guard to help alleviate some of the on-ball and off-ball pressure of Jimmy Butler and then getting some depth on the wing. And I'm sure that if they were able to check those three off the list, they'll be back in no time into Eastern Conference contention. But what do we know? Brooklyn Nets are absolutely disgusting. And, you know, Milwaukee, you know, just looking at the series really shocked me of how how versatile defensively they are and they're absolutely lethal on that side of the ball. So, yeah, you could be top four, but I don't think you're going to make it too far in the East. No, yeah, I mean, and to stay on on the Miami Heat, I think a lot of us, including myself, were so wrong on Tyler Hero. Uh, you know, I thought Tyler Hero would make a huge leap this year. I thought he'd be the sixth man of the year. Uh, he did not make that leap. Uh, and a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, were talking about how they would have taken Tyler Hero over R.J. Barrett in 2019. And and you can see now uh, that they were completely wrong uh, because Tyler Hero had a couple good games there in the bubble last year. Uh, and now he's, you know, not the same player. He's not that option. He's not that guy. Uh, so Tyler Hero needs to, to if Tyler Hero is going to be anything like the, the Devin Booker comparisons that he gets, you know, sharpshooter out of Kentucky, you know, he's going to need to put in that work. He's not there yet. Uh, and Miami needs him to get there because if they want to contend, the East is kind of, it's, it's, it's not, I, want, I don't want to say it's there for the taking because Brooklyn kind of has a stranglehold on, on there. And, you know, Giannis is always going to be up there, but, there's a lot of spots and a lot of potential to make the playoffs and a lot of potential to, you know, make it far in the playoffs. You got to take advantage of it now, you know, don't wait. Getting back to all that, Tyler Hero really needs to get better. You know, simple as that, the Devin Booker comparisons. I find that laughable to say the least. There's a lot that he needs to do to get better. He's not close. (laughs) Nowhere close. I, I, I probably compare him to, let's say a guy like a Norman Powell. I don't know, but (laughs) But, uh, I don't even think he's close to Norman Powell. That, yeah. That's pretty uh, audacious of you. 
Yeah, but I mean, let's say, for example, if R.J. Barrett had an opportunity to play in the bubble, I'm sure he would be a completely different player. Probably, like, dropping 25 a game, you know, eight rebounds. Like, the bubble's a completely different experience. Are you telling me our BBB team would, like, would probably make the play-in, bro? Yeah, we get one game. We get we get one game in the playoffs, uh, you know, in the bubble. Listen, you just you don't got to travel. You know, you got a you get a hotel room, nice king size bed. You're chilling, no distractions, no nothing except for right. Sweet Lou Williams goes off to Magic City. But that's another story. Otherwise, you're kind of locked in. Listen, BBB, we could have got a one game out of it. We could have got one game. So maybe that's why the Miami Heat got to the Eastern Conference Finals because hey, you know what? No distractions, kind of just chilling. Hey. But we saw the they are who we thought they were. We saw who they really are here in the NBA playoffs, and they get swept in the first round. Sayonara, hasta la vista, Miami Heat. We'll see you next year. It's tragic. Well, on the bright side, they go back to Miami, so there's that. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there are, there are winners in the end, I guess. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, that wraps up Run That. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? All right, so we're going to definitely need to have a, a deep discussion about this with regards to my AOM of the week. And I'm sure this is your AOM of the week, but these goddamn fans, what yep. is wrong with you? Like, yep. I mean, the first moment that we have as fans to watch playoff basketball in person over the last year and a half, two years, and just act like straight hooligans. Like, I mean, isolated moments, right? We were looking at a guy pouring a beer on Russell Westbrook's head in Philadelphia and then looking at those Knicks fans <clears throat> spitting on oh. our fuzzy lollipop Trey Young here. And then now we're looking at Kyrie Irving, you know, who had a lot to say about the Boston Celtics franchise as he was walking into the, into the hall there, gets a water bottle thrown on his head and, you know, at first, I'm like, okay, these are isolated incidents, you know, idiot, idiotic fans and whatnot. But now it's just getting out of control. You start to see a trend, and I can see why these players are getting ultimately frustrated because they're trying to put on a show for us as fans. They want us to see the highest level of basketball being played and have a good time, right? You're paying good money, watching these players play at a high level, and to reciprocate that, you're starting to throw items at them. And to me... There's a, there's a lot I can say with regards to subtle racism and, and things of that nature, but I don't want to get into, you know, a pigeonhole. But as fans, we just got to do better. We got to do better in just taking in the opportunity, especially with the pandemic that's been going on over the last year and a half, haven't had an opportunity to watch a game live for that long and just to waste that effort, you know, just by making a stupid mistake. And even today, there was a there was a Washington Wizards fan that tried to run onto the court and got tackled by the Washington Wizards security, which <laughs> I have to give I have to give kudos to them because they were way more reactive than the Capitol Hill security. But that's another discussion for another day. Oh, come on, man. Ooh. But those fans, man, you got to wake your ass up, man. I don't know. Take it away, Yasin. Yeah, I know this was going to be your AO moment of the week because it's my AO moment of the week. It's it's just one giant collective AO moment of the week. Let me I'm going to address this to the to the NBA fans. Dear fans, uh we've had a very hard year the last year, okay? There's been a lot going on with the pandemic. A lot of things have been taken from us. A lot of the subtle joys of life are gone. We've had to suffer through silent basketball for the last year we've had to suffer watching empty arenas 
listening to piped in crowd noises. And in, and in the case of Atlanta, we're still listening to piped in crowd noises, but I digest. We're talking about not having fans and not having basketball and not having live events, uh, you know, in our lives. And now we have that opportunity. It's been given back to us. We've been blessed with this opportunity to be able to go to games live. And what do you guys do? Ruin it. You ruin it. Every single day. You ru- Are you kidding me? Listen, if you're sitting at home, throw a beer at your home, at your TV. Spit on your TV. Tackle your TV. Stay home if you want to do that stuff. Why are you trying to take it? away from us again listen adam silver is fully within his rights to just be like nah you know what let's just go back to empty arenas it was pretty dope you know our players weren't getting attacked we're still getting high ratings i think we're good he he will lock us out again okay don't put it past adam silver to lock us out again people all right what is this for what do we need to why are we doing this why did you pour a beer or was it popcorn? I don't know what it was on Russell Westbrook in Philadelphia. You were beating him. The, the, the Sixers beat the Wizards. What is the point of that? The dumb Knicks fan. Listen, it's a pandemic, y'all. You cannot be spitting on people in a pandemic, all right? You can't even be high-fiving people in a pandemic, let alone exchanging bodily fluid. You spit on a man, okay? Banned. Gone. Boom. Uh, fan in Philly. Banned. Gone. Boom. Boston's a whole different topic. I mean, Boston's super racist. We've listen. We don't have to skirt around that issue, okay? Boston, and you saw Kyrie's reaction to that when he stepped on the, on Lucky the Leprechaun in the on, on midcourt. Boston has a history of that. We've seen it with the Red Sox. We've seen it with the Celtics. That guy banned. He might get charged too. Who knows? Uh, and now we see the guy in in Washington. Please, for the love of God and everything holy, just. Let them play basketball and enjoy it again, guys. It's been a whole year since we've been able to watch anything live. And and for, for me and you, we're still in a country and in a, in a province in which we can't even do that. We can't go see live stuff because right. everything is still closed. So, like, enjoy it for us. We live vicariously through you. Stop trying to ruin it. Please, please. And rant again. Today's a ranting episode, guys. It's been a while since I've been on. Yeah, I mean, considering that you've been off the air for like about two weeks now, I'm sure you got a lot to say, so keep at it. But yeah, I want to get back into talking about the fans because with fans being kicked out of the arena and banned for life, to me, now that I'm starting to see it as a trend, I don't think that's enough. I think we need to start to see, you know, criminal charges being pressed on these fans to really advocate that fear to ensure that they do not make this kind of mistake ever again. I feel like there's a harsh punishment that needs to be done in order to get the message across because being banned for life, I don't know how venues can even track that. You know, like if I was banned from the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, I'm sure that you can get tickets and you and I can go to the game and not be, you know, caught. I I don't see MLSC security saying, okay, out of 20,000 fans, we need to make sure that this guy does not enter the arena. I don't see how that's feasible. How do they track that? Uh, so, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. I mean, I don't know about you. You know, you buying 300-level tickets and finding your way to the 100-level. <coughs> You've done it hey. a couple of times. I think you wouldn't be caught, <laughs> all right? You understand me? When y'all saying my name, put some respect on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there'd, there'd be some ways to, to figure it out. But you're right. I think, it, you know what? I'd even push it further and for maybe even punish teams uh, you know, who have fans who come in like that, you know, you, you, you want to come in and, and do that to your team. What if it costs you a technical foul? 
You know, what if you become a Bartman? Why don't we just make everyone Bartmans? You know? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> right? If you want to, you want to mess with the game. You want to be part of the game. Then your team is gonna get, you know, get a technical foul. What? Imagine, imagine tie game, and you, 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 you're a dumb fan. You do something stupid. You give the ball to the other team, or you technical foul. They lose the game. They lose the championship. They get eliminated. You'll, you'll. Not only are you banned from the arena, not only are there criminal charges coming for you, but you're gonna get your ass kicked, uh, and you were gonna have to leave the country, leave whatever state you're in, assume a new identity. That might put the fear of God in some people to be like, maybe I'll just watch this game. You know what? Maybe I'll just hang out. You know, maybe punish the teams a little bit, guys. Let's get crazy. Let's get funky. Yeah. No, there's definitely gonna need some stricter repercussions when it comes to these fans and these idiotic acts that they're portraying in the, in the arena. So uh, let's wrap up this AM of the week because I'm getting furious. Yeah, let's head on over to Games of the Week. I love this game! <laughs> All right, with the playoffs, it's kind of tough because every game is really the game of the week. But when I'm looking at the, you know, with the series matchups, I think that any series that is a 2-2 series that pivotal game five is really going to be my games of the week. I can't really isolate it as such, but you know, with the, with the Clippers tying two two heading back into the Staples center and we got the Portland trailblazers and the Denver nuggets tied two two. And then we got the Phoenix suns and the Lakers tied two two. And then to add on that to that in the Eastern conference, I got the game five Knicks Hawks and Madison square garden. I feel like all those games to me are my games of the week. I don't know if it differs from your games of the week, Yazin, but that's mine. Do you really have to ask? Like, is this, is this even a question? <laughs> is, my, is my game of the week really going to be Clippers uh, Mavericks game five? Oh, boy, I can't wait. It's, it's the Knicks and the Hawks, all right? It's game five. Every game in this series that's left, and hopefully it's seven, is the game of the week for me. Uh, come on, like, you, you know, we're, we're talking about the entirety of their season on the line here, talking about a raucous crowd. And l- can, I, can I be honest, too? Let's talk about the one series that has probably gotten the most national attention by, uh, by sports media. I mean, we're talking about everyone is talking about this, this series. Uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith is talking about them. You got Skip and Shannon talking about them. You got Kendrick Perkins talking about them. Everyone is talking about this series. All eyes are on this series. You know, the national media loves you know, to clown the Knicks and they've, you know, given them a lot of reasons to. So game five is going to, it's going to be another one where the storylines are just, just so, you know, so many stories going on in this, in this series. So game five, that's my game of the week. Uh, please everyone give us your energy and your positive vibes uh, and, and, and bestow it upon the garden. Amen. Yeah. I just, I just want a game seven at MSG. That's all I want, man. Right. Can, are, are we not asking for much? Listen, I, listen, this Fatah just said it. It's coming from a non-Knicks fan. He just wants a Game Seven in MSG. Everyone wants Game Seven in MSG. Come on, everyone wants to see Spike Lee hopping up and down the court, talking smack to to to, to, to Trey Young, and everyone wants to see that, man. Everyone wants to see that. So, Game Five is the game of the week. Hopefully, at least a Game Six and a Game Seven. But we're gonna go one at a time. It starts Wednesday. I can't believe I got to wait till Wednesday. Who, 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 where's the NBA schedule maker? I want to find him because the space between these games is ridiculous. No, for real. And the one thing I, I realized because, you know, we got Spike Lee representing the New York Knicks on the sidelines. Where the hell is Gucci Mane? Like, I thought he was going to be repping ATL, man. Like, he's usually uh, a guy that attends the Atlanta Hawks games pretty consistently. And I thought that with the playoffs, 
you know, he's going to be battling on the sidelines with uh, with Spike Lee. So I, I honestly, for me, I haven't seen him. <clears throat> okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to uh, you know to censor me over the next thirty seconds uh, because this is a uh, you know a family friendly podcast. But um, f- Gucci Mane, uh, f- Ludacris, f- Big Boy, f- Andre Three Thousand, f- Outkast, f- the Hawks, f- Falcons, f- the Braves, f- all of them, every single one of them. Every single one of them, right? Oh, every single one of them. <laughs> oh, let it all out, man. Let it all out. Every one of them. You know, uh, who else is from Atlanta? Give me more names. Uh, Armigos from there? Yeah. Amigos too. Throw them in there. I don't care. Every single one of them. Every one of them. If you're from the ATL, if you're down with the A, you too. This this is going to be the next version of Hit em Up, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go to the next segment, man. You know what? Because we don't have any questions for Vlogboy Talk, I want to end it off by that rant, man. Let's just leave the episode as is. You know what? Give me more names from Atlanta. Uh, (laughs) Ronald Osuna Jr. Uh, Like, (laughs) gosh, give me all of them. Matt Ryan. Uh, I would say Julio Jones, but he's probably dipping the set too. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh my god, man! You're going crazy. Okay, I gotta, I gotta end this. I gotta end this. I gotta end this, man. I gotta, I gotta cut it. One of them. <laughs> All right. Well, clearly, our guy Yazin is in pain. So let's just end the episode as is right now. Thanks again for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG, Game Pod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms, as well as Google platforms. Add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. I'm not going to ask Yezin if there's anything he'd like to add. So with that, we'll end it off. Jay-Z, 21 Savage, Lil Yachty, Jermaine Dupree. With that said, we'll end it off. That's game.